Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. The scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 to 6, and chapter 5, verses 5 to 12. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living Christ, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. For we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, and not from you, and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, reading from your word. Good morning, church. I have the privilege of introducing our guest preacher this morning. Most of you will know him, and that is Pastor Brett here in the front. Um, well, you might be aware also that congratulations are in order because Brett has been re-elected as our national superintendent for another term. And also, just in case you did not know, he is also our next senior minister. All right, so that's the white elephant in the room, but feel free to catch up with him after the service. Um, With him here is his wife, Kristen, and her parents from America, Chris and Marsha. Could you wave your hands? It's good to have you here with us. And I hear 
they're going to be with us uh, for what, until April. Is that right? Welcome. We are glad to have you. And now, Pastor Brett. Um, yes. Let's pray for Pastor Brett. Would you just reach your hands forward and let's pray for him. Lord, we thank you. It is our privilege and our joy to have Pastor Brett here with us, his family, Kristen, and in-laws as well. We thank you for the many years of ministry experience that he has had, for the leadership and management skills that he brings with him. But most importantly, Lord, we thank you that you have called him. And we are so grateful, Lord, that we managed to get him here today. Um, planned way in advance before we knew, but we thank you. And so today, would you bless us through his ministry of the word? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steph, and thank you, everybody. Uh, really appreciate the warm welcome this morning, and uh, it's great to be here. I know some of you are hoping that um, this is like one of those try-before-you-buy uh, scenarios, and you're wondering whether there is um, more uh, to today than, than, than a scheduled visit from the National Superintendent. Well, sadly, I'm already bought and paid for, uh, and there is no returns policy uh, in place. But I do think this is an opportunity for us to get to know each other uh, a little better. So I thought I'd let you in on the second most recurring comment on my uh, school reports when I was at Howick Primary uh, a couple or 20 years ago or so. Now, I imagine some of you are actually more interested in the most common comment that I, that I got on my report. Judy's thinking, yes, I see, she knows all about these things, how important reports are. And because this isn't a, a try-before-you-buy situation, I am prepared to be completely transparent uh, about it. The most common comment on my uh, school reports went something like this. Brett is easily distracted by others. Uh, and actually, this was pretty much a common uh, thread uh, throughout my schooling. Uh, some of you may know uh, that Gary Johnstone uh, actually kicked me out of fifth form maths uh, at Howard College uh, for, for talking too much. I was just bored. Um, and I, rem I remind him constantly about that because uh, we met uh, a few years later in a very different context when I'd given my life to Christ four or five years after uh, that. And it turned out um, that talking too much was actually a calling. Who knew <laughs> that you could actually do this for a job? And uh, maths, um, math, math still remains uh, a mystery uh, to me, but just don't tell the finance committee about that. <laughs> but the second uh, most common comment on my report related to my very messy handwriting. In fact, um, I could have easily gone on to be a doctor uh, with handwriting like that if it, if it wasn't for my, my fear of needles. Teachers would see me coming, <laughs> just as I was with this bad handwriting. And there's no faking it uh, when it comes to handwriting. In fact, a little like our fingerprints, uh, each person's handwriting is actually so unique, it can be used as a, as a means of forensic identification. Uh, even identical twins 
who share uh, uh, the similar appearances and genetics do not have the same handwriting. And I'm aware of some people here today who have swapped classes and tests and exams to get through. If only they'd thought to done, do, a, do a test on the handwriting, they might not have got, a, got away with it. People, people can try to copy your handwriting, but they'll never get to write in that particular way that you do. And you can't hide from your own handwriting. It's, it's who you are. Your, your handwriting goes before you, if you like, um, just, as, just as you are. And so the discerning reader or teacher uh, sees you who you are long before they ever get to the content, long before they ever read your words. Now, in 2 Corinthians uh, 3, Paul picks up this idea of the uniqueness of handwriting in identifying us as letters, you and me, as letters. Letters of recommendation, if you like. Report cards, if you like. Letters written on our hearts. Letters that speak to who we are and who has sent us. And so as we go in this uh, final series, we go as we are. Let's pray and ask the Lord to, to speak to us. Father God, um, we're so grateful that, that you've chosen each one of us, that you've called each one of us to be uh, followers of yours. And so as we gather around your word, we ask that uh, you would really write on our hearts today, that we would, we would be changed because we have uh, allowed ourselves to be um, exposed to your word and the Holy Spirit, you would um, strike deep into each of our hearts. We ask it in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I've, I've really enjoyed uh, following the series online. It seemed like a good idea um, to kind of key into what was going on. In fact, our whole family was in the lounge for week one of the series when Caleb introduced us to the big idea uh, for the series uh, from Matthew 10 verses 7 to 8. We decided to make it um, a bit of an occasion, actually, and uh, we had brunch together as a family, uh, as we were watching on the, on the TV, really just so we could find out who was being announced as your new senior pastor. Um, and something really stuck out for me uh, that day, other than the announcement. Um, as you go, preach the kingdom of God has come near. I love this. I love the way this was really centering and anchoring uh, the series. But it was the end of verse 8 that really grabbed me. Where the, where the disciples are, it's suggested that just as you have received freely, then you should give what you've received uh, freely. Freely you have, you have received, freely give. So as you go, go with a sense of, of fullness, the sense of fullness, the, the generosity and the overflowing grace of God, go with that. Go with that overflowing. Let's give freely to others what we have received freely. And yet it left me with a question. What if receiving is not a part of our current life with God? What if that's 
not where we're at. Maybe we've never received the grace of God at all. Maybe we did once, but our testimony of God's goodness to us is firmly in the past. What if the pandemic has literally left us testing negative for authentic, spirit-filled discipleship? What if that's where we're at? When it comes to viral load, we're zero risk of being contagious about our faith for anyone. The truth of, I think, this season, which is difficult for us, is this. If Jesus is not writing the letter of our lives, then the culture will. The world will. It's always been that way. It's next to impossible to live out the dreams of the kingdom and also live out the dreams of the culture, of the world. And so this passage really poses a question to us. Are are we a letter from the culture or are we a letter from Christ? Who's doing the writing? It makes a really big difference. As we go, what is being read? Who is being read? See, one thing I know that is that you and I will, will be spiritually formed. That's going to happen regardless. The only question for us is, what or who will we be spiritually formed by? We can't help but have someone or something right on our hearts. And, and for centuries, Christians have lived in the tension of whether they will be uh, written on by the, by the world, by the culture, or by the, by the Spirit of God. And these Corinthian Christians were, were no different. They're no different in what Paul needed to write to them. So I wonder, I wonder what a, a letter from the culture, how that might read. I wonder whether it might read this way, that many of us find ourselves living out of security rather than sacrifice. See, I think the great God of our age is security. The great dream of the culture. It's reflected in the dream of of home home ownership and, and pension plans and career paths. You see, sacrificial living is not really rewarded by our culture. It's not celebrated. You know, the celebration is reserved for guys like Jeff Bezos who give away, you know, vast fortunes because, after all, he's got more than enough to remain secure, whereas the way of Jesus is underpinned by sacrifice. Jesus didn't have much of a pension plan. Or maybe the letter might read that we're living out of control rather than faith. Let's face it, most of us are addicted to control at some uh, level or other, whether it's you know, running those difficult conversations around in your head before you have them, or, or whether it's avoiding those difficult situations that you don't really want to, or, or planning for tomorrows that will never uh, come. In fact, for some of us, control has become such a successful strategy, we don't need to pray anymore. Why would we? 
We've got it all under control. We've already got the thing managed, whereas the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus is marked by surrender and trust and faith. Well, maybe, maybe even in this time particularly, our letters might be marked by the idea of living out of, of scarcity, what we don't have, rather than fullness, abundance. Maybe especially at this time of, of, of high inflation and compromised supply chains, empty supermarket shelves sending a shiver down our spine. You don't get to choose from five different things. You've only got two choices today. Gosh, what has the world come to? And there's a sense in which I think generous living is kind of on pause. It's on hold for the moment. Well, while the world economy uh, gets back on track. Whereas the way of Jesus is fullness and abundance. Sorry, my Bible is just so holy. It's, it's, it's so weighty that's knocking the stand down. It's a Wesleyan, it's a Wesleyan study Bible. The way of, of Jesus, though, is, is characterized by this, the sense of abundance, of, of, of fullness, of generosity. And here's perhaps the most important thing that I want to say about this. See, being driven by security and control and scarcity, these are not successful strategies for living full lives. They don't work. And the people that we love that this series is all about, the people that we're going to, are not well served by these dreams. It's not just us. At the heart of their humanity, there's this dissonance, dissonance with divine design, you know, when we live in pursuit of these kinds of ideals that are out of step with how we're created. See, what they want is good news. They want good news written by a different hand, with a different plot line. That's what they're looking for. And I think so are we. See, if we're living the dreams of the culture, we will not consistently be living the life of Christ which he freely gives us. If we're living the dreams of the culture... We won't consistently have anything to freely give to those who are crying out for it, to those who are longing for something beyond the daily grind. Is there anyone, is there, is there a Christian who will show up and show me the way out of the rat race? See, these, when we carry these kinds of letters to them, they've already read those. It's old news and it's bad news. We can't freely give what we haven't received. So as you go, go as you are. What if we've already read that and found it wanting? Now these Corinthian Christians were no different to us. They, they were caught up in the same tension of, of culture and Christ that we are. 
And and Paul's uh, first letter to the Corinthians, I think, captures this uh, really neatly as he advises them around popularity contests and spiritual uh, one-upmanship and uh, divisions in the church and and favoritism. And here in 2 Corinthians, Paul is is faced, amongst other things, with a a bit of competition uh, from some super apostles, they're often called, or, or Judaizers, they're sometimes described as, Christians who were looking for a different kind of letter writing. Letters not written on human hearts, but through human flesh, requiring circumcision and the keeping of the Jewish law as being at the heart of the new covenant. And so Paul finds himself just needing to to gently restate his, his credentials. Do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? And Paul's conclusion is, no, the Corinthians are Paul's letter of recommendation. Their lives speak for him as he goes forward. They they are ahead of him, speaking for him. So he he doesn't need one. In fact, he says this, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such a powerful idea that, that we, that we are, are letters, that you and I are letters that can be read. And now with some uh, letters, they are, they are literally windows to the soul. I mean, if you get one of these... Uh, with window envelopes. I mean, that's enough to literally strike terror into the soul of anybody. <laughs> I mean, these kind of letters speak volumes, I think. You know, when I, when I open them. Some people actually have this kind of effect on me as well when I see them coming. I'm not sure I want to open... You probably think of people like that as well. Other letters, I think, are... You know, you look forward to, they're authentic, they're real, they have a personal uh, quality uh, to them. Some of the more impacting letters that you can read are, are letters written from, from the trenches of, of World War I. You know, with their email always going down, they, letter writing was their only form of communication. Do you know that the, the British Army Postal Service delivered around two billion letters across the course of the war. You know, these letters filled with this inner turmoil faced with this external chaos. Letters from the heart. Authentic letters. So for Paul, he's making this point about what Jesus has done for for humanity. And his point of comparison is Moses. Rather than two tablets of stone, uh, on which the, you know, the commandments uh, were written, Paul claimed to have gone one better. He didn't possess tablets of stone, but he could point to tablets of uh, hearts of flesh written upon by the Spirit of God. See, we reflect who is in us. We reflect who we are. If Christ is in us, we reflect Christ. And what's really interesting about these letters, which Paul is referring to, is that they were known and read 
by everybody. They were known and read by everybody. See, we are first known and then read by everybody. Your relationship with the people in your lives ensures that you're going to be read. People care about you. People are interested in your story and my story because they are interested in you. And you have something that no one else has. Like, like your fingerprints and like your handwriting, something that no one else has. Your story of God's work in you. It's completely unique. It's completely unique. And remember, we don't speak into a vacuum in these situations because just as we have a unique story, just as we have unique fingerprints, just as we have unique handwriting, so do the people that we go to. God is already at work in the lives of every person. There's no one that he's not drawing to himself. So that we don't go into these stories with nothing happening as if God is at sleep or if he's got writer's block or something. We have the opportunity to reflect Christ at a much deeper level because our relationships with people can ensure that we have a really committed readership. But even more, just than knowing God can use us, is the powerful thought that Jesus can really write new stories on our hearts. And this is not about trying harder to like create, uh, to write a better version of ourselves. It's not about, it's about surrendering harder. It's about giving up harder. It's about letting go harder. And Paul puts it this way in verse 4. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. See, like Paul, our competence to to minister the new covenant is is not our own, it's Christ. And as Paul closes out chapter 3, we see it's not just our competence, but also our content. Here's what he says in verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Had you ever pondered the thought that in the New Testament, part of the glory of God is the character of Christ being revealed in you? That's a part of the glory of God, is the character of Christ, the content of Christ being revealed in you. So as we go, go as we are, Or perhaps we go as Christ rewrites the content of our lives. It's definitely not as catchy. 
but it's likely to be more catching. So we can't give what we haven't received. And our lives are speaking of the work of Christ in us. But what if, what if our lives really aren't good enough? What if we're still a, like a work in progress? I mean, maybe we should just dial it you know, back a little bit, dial it down a little bit, rather than you know, like be the hypocrites that people are so ready to label Christians as. Maybe we should just like wait just until we're like a, a little bit more perfect than we are right now. Then we'll have something to write about. Right? Well, there is a group in, in the scriptures that practiced faith in this way. Actually, they're not too far away from the Judaizers Paul was dealing with in Corinth. Do you know what the scriptures call people who base their faith on the perfection of their performance? Pharisees. Matthew 15, verse 7. Uh, Jesus underlines who the real hypocrites are. You hypocrites, speaking to the Pharisees, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. The outward behavior is never a replacement for actual heart change and perfection. Well, some theologians would disagree, but perfection is not the end game in this life. You see, if if all we have to offer people is our perfection, then we have little more to offer them than the Pharisees did. 1 Corinthians 4 gives us the alternative. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. See, what we have to offer the world is actually our brokenness, is actually the cracked jug that we are. Sadly, not that one. I was told before the service, you may not be moved by the Spirit to smash it. (laughs) See, what we have to offer is our brokenness, our our imperfect faith, practice that doesn't match our aspirations. We have much more to give than we think. See, if we would only offer our perfection, we don't have much to offer the imperfect. In many ways, it's it's our brokenness 
rather than our competence, that is the greatest gift we take as we go. We take what we have, the depth of God's grace to us. And you know who the only people in this world that need grace are? You know who the only ones that need it are? Is the broken. If you're not broken, you don't need grace. To people who have it all together don't need grace. And the people we connect with don't need people who have it all together. They need people like us. Broken vessels. Cracked jugs. Who carry the great treasure of God's grace and his power in these fragile clay jars of our humanity. People who are experiencing the free grace of God and passing it on. People who are, I think, even prepared to be vulnerable about the hard places in in life and how God is, is nonetheless meeting them in their need. So that our testimonies are being shared from the now, not 20 years ago. People who might even be ready to offer to pray for others. That's a radical thought. I heard this week about how one of your prayer cards that Steph shared last week uh, actually led to someone uh, praying for someone in their life this week. Who would have thought? But what about going even one step further? What about asking these imperfect people to pray for you? There's a thought. Yesterday, um, East City Wesleyan um, hosted a funeral here, thank you, uh, for uh, one of our people, a long-time member um, of Session Community. And, um, you know, her story was just told so beautifully uh, by those that um, participated in the eulogies. A woman who who didn't have the greatest start in life, experienced deep rejection from her own mother, who lived in the face of, of disappointments and reversals, a cracked jug, a broken vessel, who lived life in the face of these reversals and disappointments. And as I listened to these stories, Knowing I was preaching out of 2 Corinthians 4 this morning, it was as if these verses could have been written about her. Hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Struck down, but not destroyed. And there were people sitting in where you're sitting right now. There were people there at that funeral who were only there because of her. One man in particular, I know for a fact He only started coming to our church because she invited him because they shared the same gym. See, this woman was a true letter from Christ. This woman, 
allowed the light of Jesus to shine through the cracks in her life, in her living. When she encountered God in a, in a radical way, her whole life was rewritten. And yesterday, the impact of her life was there to see. So as you go, go as you are. As people need authentic, real uh, letters to be shared with them. But perhaps we might not seek to remain as we are, but that we might carry the most powerful message uh, of all, the work of Christ in us right now. And since as we are being transparent and getting personal, you should probably know I'm still distracted by others. I'm really distracted by others. Which is really what this series is all about. I recommend it to you. Would you pray? Father God, we are just amazed at the grace that you offer us, the mercy that you provide us, the forgiveness that flows into our lives, the way in which you take even us and and rewrite our lives. Jesus, would you receive us in our brokenness? Would you receive us just as we are? Holy Spirit, would you continue to make us more like you? We want to be less about control and more about surrender. We want to be less about security and more about sacrifice. We want to hold on a lot less tightly to what we have and open our hands a whole lot wider that we might freely give what you have given us so freely. You know, I didn't want to force this today, but the Holy Spirit is like just hammering at me right now to say, would you stand with me as we continue? Just hold your hands out if you're comfortable to do that. God, we hold our hands out as as a gesture of our surrender, as a posture of our need of you, that we can't do this life without you, that we are broken and imperfect, that we have a deep, deep need of you. And we hold our hands out that we might receive freely. Would you flow your grace and your mercy and your power and your love into our lives? Would you give us what we need that we might offer it to others? So much more than the right techniques and the right words and the right 
processes and practices, God, would you just give us a revelation of your deep grace for us? How much you love us and care for us. How you long to write on each heart here a new story, a story of hope and possibility. How you long for that for the people that we know and love. So would you receive our lives, receive who we are, who you might make us into. Would you receive our worship as we continue to offer ourselves to you in the name of Jesus?